Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright. This is the video teaching series, God's Love for Us. And uh, the title of this lesson is Knowing and Loving God. Our, our focus of faith needs to turn as we mature in God and our relationship with God from receiving from what we can get God to give us in this life and from other people to giving what we can put into the relationship with God and be available to him as his conduit to minister to his kingdom and him to minister through us to people for the sake of his kingdom. That's mouthful, isn't it? Only God can produce this change in us. God's the only one who can do this. We can't do this to ourselves. We can't. That's why we come to God as spiritual babes. Babes. The apostles use this terminology. As Peter said, as newborn babes desire the uh, sincere milk of the word. Paul talked about those who were still babes or immature who should have grown up by now in Hebrews chapter 5. So we come to God, we're a babe. Well, when a babe is born, how much do they know? They have to learn how to do essentially everything. Now, they, they, they know how to breathe. They know how to make sound if they're healthy. But, you know, they don't, they don't know how to walk. They don't know how to talk. They don't know how to go to the bathroom properly. They don't know how to feed themselves. They don't know how to do any of that. So as a babe, a babe is just trying to learn how to function in life. A babe is just learning how to exist, to survive in life, to just do those normal things that a human person does in this life. But there comes a point where that all shifts. For most people, it shifts sooner than they would probably want it to because there comes a point where it's now about what am I going to do? What am I going to contribute in this life? What is my purpose for being here? So a babe is focused on survival, but a person who is growing out of being a babe is focused on purpose. What is my purpose? Why am I here? And this change, this shift is the difference between being loved by God and God loving through me, whether it's me, him loving, his love being returned to him by me or him loving through me. Because as a babe, I have to learn how to be obedient to the word of God. Nobody is born knowing and obeying all of the word of God. That's a growth process. Now, I unfortunately, I know of situations where pastors have that kind of expectation. You are a new creature. You just got born in. You, you should know everything. You should have your life cleaned up right now, and you should have no struggles left, and you should have no problems. Well, that's a lie. And that attitude and approach toward people is absolutely not scriptural. It is the church, it's the, 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 the church and the pastor's responsibility to be agents or 
or, or conduits of God to minister to these babes to help them grow in God. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul was saying in Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. These people, through the word being taught to them, uh, they should have reached the place that they were no, now no longer just receiving teaching, but now they were starting to teach themselves. Themselves, they were going to teach. Not teaching themselves, but that they were going to be doing teaching to others. This transition from receiving, you know, children can be very selfish. Why? Because they're bad? No. But because self, children are about, are about survival. And so they've got to be focused on themselves to learn how to survive. But there comes a point that transition's got to take place. It rarely ever takes place in a moment or a month or even a year, but it's a, it's a transition. Now it's a painful transition because children naturally and natural and spiritual children kind of feel like it's all about them and we make it all about them. Let me tell you something. <laughs> you bring a brand new born baby into a household and the whole focus of that house becomes that baby. Sometimes out of survival, because if you want any sleep, that baby's needs have got to be met. Of course, it's more than that because we love them. But, you know, that, that I've said it and I mean it. There is no more tyrannical human in this world than a newborn baby. Because everything is about them. They don't know how to tell you what their problem is. You're supposed to figure it out. But... They're going to not let anything be at peace if they've got some kind of need. And they learn that if I cry, I get response. If I cry, uh, you know, I'm going to get attention. I'm going to get my needs met. But then as they begin to mature, they begin to grow and they don't, and, and you begin to say no to them. Oh, no wonder they pitch fits. All my life, every time I needed something, you were there and you responded. And now all of a sudden you're going to tell me no. You're going to tell me no. And so the transition from me to others, naturally and spiritually, is a difficult transition. And there are people that never grow out of me. The me focus. They never grow out of it. Some grow live till they're in their elderly years and die as a me focused person. But they're not a happy person. Because eventually people are going to stop serving their every want. And say, hey, you know, when are you going to grow up? What does it mean to grow up? To realize that life's not all about you. It's not all about you. You've got a place and purpose here. It's not all about you. Not everybody's standing around waiting for you to whimper so they can find out what's wrong and meet that need immediately. Now, that's necessary in the beginning because the child can't survive on its own. But when that child begins to to uh, to reach the place that it can do a lot of things on its own, then there is we do less and less for them. We might begin to do stuff with them. But then the hope is that they will see what we're doing if we are non-me people and we're about others, 
which is what the, 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 the express, one of the perfect expressions, others meaning God first and everybody else, uh, second and me third. That's, you know, that's how you spell joy. Jesus, J, others, O, Y, U. That's the way you spell joy. And that is the way you spell joy. Jesus, others, and you. Or Jesus, others, and me. And so in this case, here we are. And, and, and this has got to take place. But it's not a, an easy thing. Flesh doesn't like going from being the absolute center of attention to we got other important things to do. We still love you, but there's some things you need to do for yourself. And you need to learn, you know, eventually it's no longer you're doing stuff for yourself. Now you should find purpose, and that is the purpose of being here, to serve God and serve others, to be his conduit, ultimately, for him to minister to others and their needs through you, through me. That's what I'm doing sitting in a studio on a beautiful day. This isn't about me. Who's that guy think he is making all these videos? Uh, child of God. Man of God, which means I don't belong. You see, child of God, prepositional phrase of possession of God means God's child. He owns me. Uh, man of God, prepositional phrase of possession of God is uh, the preposition phrase of possession, God's man, he owns me. I'm sitting here, and I, because I am submitted to God, and I love God, and He, because he loves me, I am happy sitting here. But first and foremost, I'm sitting here because it's the will of God. It's not, it's not easy sitting here all day doing this. Now, it's enjoyable. It's a, you know... <laughs> Thou wilt, Psalm 16, 11, Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand, when you're, you, when you're using, flowing through me, uh, exercising your authority and power, there's pleasure forevermore. And so the spiritual part of this is absolutely phenomenal. It is just, just, I just love it. But my flesh, you know, you see, you know, this flesh wants to get up and do something. Let's go do something. You're sitting in this dark room. You can't hardly hear any sound out there because it's a studio. There's stuff you could go do. And of course, the adversary is saying, that, hey, you know, you got, you got this to do. You, you need to quit now. You've done enough today. No. When he's done, I'm done. When the Lord's done, I'm done. Because it's, it's, it's part of growing up spiritually. You, the, the same principles of growing up naturally applies to growing up spiritually. Why? Because the creator is the one that designed all the natural systems, and they're all designed to be illustrations, allegories, metaphors, whatever you want to call them, of spiritual principles. That's why Jesus constantly used natural examples to explain spiritual principles. He used earthly things to describe and, 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 and uh, explain and teach about heavenly principles. And that's what the Lord did here. And so we start out receiving love from God, but as we grow, we become conduits for God's love flowing through us. 
What makes this transition? The transition comes when we begin to want to have a personal relationship with God for ourselves. That doesn't mean we don't go to church anymore. That doesn't mean that we're not a part of the body of Christ. It means that we have a relationship with God that can stand the test of a pandemic. And if the church services get shut down, we're not, we don't lose it and we don't get backslidden and all that because we knew the Lord while we were going to church and He was the reason we were going, our relationship with God. And if I can't go to church services, I still have God. Now, unfortunately, that's not true for everybody because they're still spiritual babes and they're very much in jeopardy of dying spiritually. As an old man, I can attest to this change in my own life. It takes time enough and maturity to learn that the most fulfilling part of life is our relationships, not our accomplishments. I'll say that again. As an old man, I can give testimony that this is the change that he worked in me. And it's the most important change that takes place in your life. I'm going to read that one more time. It takes time in being a Christian to grow from being a babe in Christ to being mature in Christ. So it takes time and maturity to learn that the most fulfilling part of our life in Christ and therefore our life here is our relationships and not our accomplishments. If I can can accomplish all kinds of things, but I have nobody to share it with, I'm a lonely old person. But if there are people I love and that love me and we love God together and I'm able to be used of God to him to minister through me to them and they're able to be used to God to minister through them to me or whatever. It, that's so fulfilling. Accomplishments fade. I can't tell you all the things that my dad did in the Navy, all of his accomplishments and they were great. Joined the Navy the day after Pearl Harbor, served 30 years, worked his way up through the ranks from a, 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 a seaman recruit all the way to being a full Navy commander, an 05. That's pretty significant in 30 years. And yet, when I think of him, it's not those accomplishments of his that I'm very proud of. But it's the relationship I had with him. I remember him. I remember that relationship. So my, what God does through me is not near as important to me as my relationship with God. And if he honors me by using, if my relationship with him is pleasing enough that he uses that relationship to do things that bring glory to his name, and I'm not going to take his glory, but just simply allow him to get glory by using me, uh, that's all wonderful and good. But the whole basis for that, and the most important part of, important part of that is my personal relationship with him because that relationship was there with him all the time. 
Not just when I'm praying, not just when I'm studying, not just when I am talking to people about him, not just when I'm in church, not just when I'm singing, not just when I'm giving, none of the, no, no. My relationship with him supersedes all of that. Now, all of that can be an expression of my relationship, but I have to have a relationship for those things to be an expression of my relationship. When I was younger, reaching my goals and fulfilling my dreams were more important to me than building lasting relationships with people. And I'm sorry to tell you that, but it was true. If you were going my way, then we could travel together. If not, then our relationship would be casual at best, and we would, on, we would intersect only on rare occasions. Now, spiritually, right now, I'm still going the direction that people, if you're going my direction, we're still going together. But I have learned to love people and have a relationship with people that don't exactly see eye to eye with me on everything. I love them. Uh, they're not my servant, they're God's servants. They're not my children, they're God's children. And we may not see everything eye to eye, but I can still love them. And that's what Jesus said. If I love those that love me, what, what thank have me, thank have you. And the word thank in the English and King James there is translation of the Greek word charis, which most of the time is translated grace. So if I only love those that love me, Where's the manifestation of grace in my life? So God is always going to put people in my life that aren't like me, that don't see everything like I see it, and that aren't trying to get to where we're all going the same way I'm trying to get there. And I'm not preaching multiple ways of salvation. That's not what I'm preaching. I am preaching that each one of us has a place in God and they're not always the same kind of place. The hand is not the eye. The foot is not the ear. The stomach is not the lungs. The mouth is not the brain. We prove that all the time, don't we? Right. All of those are members of the body. And they are all important members of the body. I don't want to lose any of them. But they're each one different. And as Paul said, if the eye say, uh, if I'm not the ear, what 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 use have I? What's, what use is there for me? If the hand says to the foot, because I'm not the foot, I'm, I'm of no value. No. If I have a relationship with God, then he gifts me the way he chooses and then takes me and those giftings and uses me according to his purpose. Now, the way God uses me and the way God uses somebody else very likely will not be the same way. Very likely will not be. Why? Because it's God's plan. It's God's purpose. And as I mature in God, I can see that. So I'm not comparing myself with someone else. And I'm not measuring myself by someone else, because that's foolishness. I, I, I understand the whole concept and purpose of passing the mantle. God, praise God. God bless you. And I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna uh, object or stand in the way of all that. But I'm not really gonna participate with it either, because from my personal understanding, that's not the case. And as God was 
shaping me and growing me. There were great men of God I had deep respect for and greatly appreciated their ministry. But there was never anything in me that wanted to be them, that wanted to be do like them. I just want to be what God wants me to be. It, it might be far below them. It might be above them. That wouldn't be my choice, would it? I just want to be what God wants me to be as so that I can please Him and fulfill my place that He has for me in His plan and in His body. No more, no less. Well, here's the thing. There's no competition for my place in the body. People might try to compete with it. And there's no competition for their place in the body. If I was foolish enough to try to compete for their place in the body, it would prove I didn't really understand God and His plan. The only determining factor of whether or not I will fulfill my place in God's plan is if I choose not to let Him work that in me. The only competition is my will, my self-will, my flesh, my likes, my dislikes, what I want to do, what I don't want to do. That's the only competition for my place in God. As I've gotten older, I've come to realize that accomplishment again is solely the, the prerogative of God. I mean, by today's definition, Jeremiah was a total failure. Noah wasn't much more of a success than Jeremiah. He preached for 100, 125 years and only eight people were saved, and that's counting himself. That, that today, that would be a, a failure. Jeremiah, I, I, I haven't studied it maybe as close as I should have, but from what I have studied and read, and I've read the book of Jeremiah. I don't know that he had one convert in his whole ministry. In fact, God used him as a whipping boy for Israel because God kept having him say stuff Israel did not want to hear. In fact, he told Jeremiah up front, they're not going to hear you, but I've made your forehead harder than theirs. Amen. And so, accomplishment is only of God. Now, if I can accomplish things without God and call them spiritual, I'm deceived. And, I, and I'm deceived, number one, by my own self. I have deceived myself if I have accomplished things through the flesh, and offer them to God. I think that's called the spirit of Cain. The spirit of Cain does the work in the flesh and then takes the products of the flesh and offers them to God as sacrifice, and God says, no thanks, not interested. Well, that person gets angry. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with what I'm bringing? It's flesh. Having begun in the spirit of you now made perfect by the flesh. 
Jesus said, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, their spirit and life. The flesh profits nothing. The flesh profits nothing. Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. So whatever it seems like I have accomplished spiritually, if I've done that without an intimate personal relationship with God, even though I may still be a babe and still go to church, still trying to survive, if I accomplish things, you know, we're used to it. We take our first step and everybody applauds. Right, yeah. We ride the bike without training wheels for the first time. and Oh, look at that. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. We, uh, the first time we swing a bat and it connects with the ball. Whoa, look at that. Nobody said, give him $10 million that first time. Nobody said that. But we, and we get, we get addicted to that. We get addicted to performing and getting praised. I've said this so many times. If I had a thousand dollars for every time one of my sons growing up said, watch dad. I would be a multi-millionaire. I'm not exaggerating. I love them. They love me. And I purposed from the beginning I was going to be their hero. And you would never find anybody's, any athlete or anybody else's picture on their walls because I was their hero. And they wanted my approval as a son from the father. And so more than wanting to do it with me, they wanted me in the stands going, yay, good job. Well, that was good while they were growing. But there comes a point. It's got to be different than that. It can't be about getting the approval and applause from your heavenly father as you're growing as a child. It Now to please the father, I've got to let the father work in and through me for his purposes. This is only truly possible if it, if it can first be said of each one of us as individuals, he knows Jesus. This is absolutely the greatest thing that anyone can ever say about us. There is no higher thing that anybody can say about me, but he knows the Lord. He walks with God. And if they say that about me, they will not be praising me. They will not be honoring me. They will be praising and honoring the God who taught me against my stubborn will and finally brought me to the place where I gave up that stubborn will and worked this work of grace in me that could not have been done by me. I've said this before. You know, we, we, we talk about Self-accomplishment, self-worth, self-esteem. Well, the greatest demonstration of how much of a fallacy this is, is self-discipline. The word discipline means to come under the power of another. So self-discipline is self coming under the power of self. Self-discipline? That's ludicrous. That's ludicrous. The problem is there are people that actually think they accomplish that. There are Christians that think they accomplish that. Now, I have to confess I've never fasted 40 days. 
how much I've fasted, how often I've fasted, it's between me and God. It's not, I'm not telling it. It's not my business. It's not your business. Between the Lord and I. As long as I've obeyed God, it's all that matters. But I've never fasted 40 days. But I will say to you, this to you, there have been a few times that I've been aware of somebody else fasting 40 days that in my spirit, I, I believe that they were obeying God. But I will say this to you, more often than not, a person fasting 40 days is doing it to force God's hand with something. Force God's hands to obligate him. And there are people that have enough will power to just gut their way through a 40-day fast. More power to them, except they don't get any credit from God. And I know people that fasted 40 days and nothing ever happened to them or anybody else. And the, all the weight they lost in that 40-day fast, they put that back and more. I know people that have fasted 40 days and backslid because what they were trying to get God to do by that 40-day fast, he didn't do. Cain's offering. It was Cain's offering. Cain's offering. Some of the most spiritual and great men of God in my life have cautioned me against fasting for the purpose of trying to force God's hand. The purpose of fasting is not to force God to do anything. The purpose of fasting is to quiet all the voices that try to influence me inside so that I can tune in strictly to the voice of God. I'm chastening my soul in fasting, not trying to obligate God from my efforts. This is the will of God. This is the plan and purpose of God. It's the will of God for us to receive the love of God so that he can know us. And that as he learns to know us, you say, well, he knows everything. That's not what I'm talking about. He does not force me to make any decisions. So as he loves me and he does things in my life, then he's able to see how I'm going to react to that. And he lets me see how I'm going to react to that. And he brings me to the place that now I want to love him and I want to know him. That's what the ultimate goal of the love of God is. Not to change the world, but to change each one of us and bring us into spiritual babism and help us grow up through that and become a spiritual adult fulfilling the plan and purpose God has for each one of us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you would let the grace of God give you the, the ability to receive this, understand this, and say to him, here I am, Lord. Do what you need to do in my life, but help me to grow up and become what you desire me to be in you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, let it be so. Amen. God bless you.